Another month has passed So even though no one asked We're about to explore it all on the Dan Chronicles Hello friends and welcome to another episode of the Dan Chronicles It is October 2023 uh, And it's time for another episode And another newsletter And it's really funny I was talking to a friend of mine uh, the other day, and he was not aware at all that uh, there was a podcast edition of this newsletter. He had been getting and reading the newsletter in email form for a really long time and just missed that there was a podcast, which is easy to do. I don't really talk about the podcast in the newsletter at all. It just kind of is here. And by contrast, there are other friends who come up to me and I haven't told them about the newsletter, but they come up and they're like, oh, I saw that you have a podcast. And so I guess they're discovering me through this, through the audio, the podcast section, without also knowing that this is part of a, a joint thing with my newsletter. So I just think it's really funny how different people uh, discover this content and come at it from different angles. And it's just... Uh, I think it's reflective of different people and the different ways that we get information in general and how that shapes your reality. Uh, but anyway, you should sign up for the email newsletter. You can find that at danberg.substack.com. And again, my name, Dan, is with two N's. Uh, or you could just find it on my website, danb.org. And with all that said, let's get into the stories. Now it's time. So one of the benefits of having the Alamo Drafthouse Season Pass, which is their monthly service where you get unlimited movies, is that I get to see a bunch of movies that I probably otherwise wouldn't see. Uh, and I saw one this month that falls into that category of a movie that I wasn't really that interested in, but sure, it's free. And I have a theater that's right downstairs from me. I might as well go and see it. So I went and saw Dumb Money, which is... Oh, strange. Like, it feels strange that this was already dramatized into a movie when it's just such recent history. But during the pandemic, there was the craziness with the GameStop shop stock, right? Everybody from Reddit on Wall Street Bets kind of had this whole moment in the sun where GameStop stock just went up and up and up. And there was a guy that kind of led I wouldn't say led the brigade, really, but he was an early person that kind of saw GameStop as an opportunity and everybody on the internet rallied behind him and the stock just went up and up and up and he became a multimillionaire. Uh, and yeah, that was an interesting story, I guess. Then they sold the rights and then a movie studio put that together and that's what we have today. It's a movie called Dumb Money. Um, and I saw it. Not because I'm really interested in the story, but I was kind of more interested to see how they approach turning this very much online story into a dramatized movie format, right? That really interested me. Uh, and also, I, I liked a few of the actors that were in it. And I mean, the movie was fine. Uh, it, it They did about as well as they could have. Um but that was it. And I just kind of saw it and went about my day. And then a little later on, I saw that there was a documentary series. And I call this a documentary. I guess his video is a documentary. But there's this two and a half hours, a very lengthy documentary series called This Is Financial Advice. And it's by 
this YouTube channel called Folding Ideas by Dan Olson. Um, I think I talked about in a past newsletter, another video that he created that was also really long that was about NFTs. And that really interesting documentary series was called Line Goes Up. But he puts together these lengthy, in-depth explorations into these wildly online topics like NFTs, the metaverse, and now this GameStop short squeeze, all this craziness. So the thing that I guess was new information to me because I did not follow it very closely is that after the action of the movie, so the movie ends with Keith Gill, who was Roaring Kitty, the main kind of person that saw this, the GameStop stuff happening early, testified before Congress. And that's sort of where the movie ended. And what really happened in that story, since that was in 2021 and now it's 2023, is that originally people bought these stocks because they were meme stocks. It was kind of funny. It was ironic to to buy this. And it was that was all part of the joke. And then it started shooting up. Um, but what happened is that all that jokiness, that whole aspect of it sort of faded away. And all that was left was people that were just holding GameStop shares. And it really devolved into this sort of doomsday cult where they thought that there would be this short squeeze that kind of entered into this fictionalized version of world of the world and life. And that it would wall this like crazy doomsday cult stuff and it was just really fascinating to hear the story told in this way that was really in depth more so than i think i could have even got if i was following along in the day-to-day because this is such a complex story uh, and it really reminded me a lot of a lot of other online cults that I've seen rise up, including the biggest cult of all, QAnon, right? And I feel like QAnon took all of these other little sub cults and things and really morphed it into one. And I, it's just, it's all the same sort of tactics. And it all kind of like comes from a place of religion isn't that big within society right now, whereas religion itself has been sort of a big part of human culture for most of human history. And we're at a point in our lives where that's just not as popular. And it's just so interesting to see all of these other sort of belief systems fall into place that have very much similar kind of like revelation end of days. The people that are doing this certain type of behavior are the ones that will either live forever or benefit in some way. And and it's just really, it was fascinating to see the GameStop stuff go in that same direction. So again, the documentary is about two and a half hours, uh, which is certainly a commitment. Um, but if you're interested in this topic, if you followed kind of along loosely with the GameStop stuff as it was happening, I definitely recommend it because it is a deep, thorough dive into this that sort of reminded me of the big short that movie about the housing collapse in and but except it was about GameStop. So great documentary, wild that it became this doomsday cult, but I guess that's just the world that we're living in post uh religion. So there you have it. Zach Gage is back 
being mentioned in my newsletter. I feel like I've mentioned him many times. I was going back through my newsletter. It, it looks like I've mentioned him three times now, so this is going to be the fourth. Uh, but for those that haven't been keeping close track, Zach Gage is an independent game designer who makes puzzles that are absolutely fantastic. Most of his work is iOS apps, so he'll partner with a, an engineer or another another puzzle maker, and he, he comes up with these games like really bad chess and spell tower, ridiculous fishing, all of these other like really fun, really iconic, fresh feeling games. And for a while on Twitter, he's been teasing that he's been working on his most ambitious, big thing yet. And it was recently announced. It was announced this month. So he's launching this website called Puzmo. P-U-Z-Z-M-O. And it's not just a single game, but really it's an entire website, an entire platform that's designed like a newspaper that features a bunch of different daily games, including ones that he has made, like Spell Tower, Really Bad Chess, Type Shift, and then a new game that he made called Flip Art. And this is all in conjunction with slash backed by Hearst, the newspaper company. So it's being positioned as a direct competitor to the New York Times game section because the New York Times has a crossword. They have, uh, oh man, what is that game that everybody likes? There, there's the one where you guess the letters. Um, that's basically a copy of Lingo. Um, so all of these games are available on the New York Times. They have a really strong daily puzzle platform. And so Hearst was like, oh, we want one as well. Let's partner with this fresh face, probably one of the best puzzle makers of our time, and launch our own platform. So that is happening. It is live and it is available now. Um, but it's available now, but it's not actually accessible unless you have a key. And so what they're doing for right now is each day they are releasing 500 keys. And these keys go to the first 500 people that can complete a daily puzzle. So every day there's one puzzle that's available. It kind of cycles between all the different available games. And if you are one of the first 500 people to complete that puzzle, you will get a key. And this isn't just a digital key. It is something that they physically mail to your house. Uh, one, because they want to make sure that there's just one access per household. Uh, and two, it just seems really fun. So I solved a puzzle the other day. Uh, I entered my home address and I should be receiving my key any day now. Uh, but I think this is a really fantastic idea. I think Zach Gage is a really interesting person to follow creatively. And so he is somebody that I will try anything new that he comes out with. And I'm really excited to try this new platform. And so Puzzmo, P-U-Z-Z-M-O.com. If you also like games and you want to check this out. Uh, and again, if you enter your email onto the site, they will give you a five minute warning that there's going to be a new game coming out. So you can kind of get in there early and make sure that you get one of those keys because I mean, they go fast, usually within the hour. So check it out if you like puzzles. Back in 2001, there was this website called StumbleUpon. Uh, if you are on the millennial slash elder millennial side, you may remember this website because it was a fantastic way to browse the internet. Basically, StumbleUpon was just a button. And when you clicked that button, it would take you to a semi-random website. And 
on that website. It might be something cool, fun, something, a, a game, some creative piece of art that you haven't seen before. And 2001 was back before social media was ubiquitous. So MySpace launched in 2003. So two years before that even, um, or before there were really popular link aggregators. Like today we have Reddit dominating the scene. Back then it was Dig, but Dig started in 2004. So this is several years before these even started. And the internet back then was way different. It was way more independent. Right now, when you're browsing even individual content, most of the time you're on some giant company's website. So you're on Facebook uh, and everybody has a Facebook page, but it's still owned by Facebook. Same if you're following writing, you're probably on medium.com, which is just a big company that hosts other people's writing. Um, and, and back in the day, the internet wasn't like that. You didn't have these massive players that just owned everything. You had individuals who were tech savvy enough to launch a website, building websites on topics that they were just passionate about. And it was really fun to use StumbleUpon to kind of discover and browse the website. I feel like back then we used to use the term surf the net. Uh, and today it's kind of cringe or kind of funny to say that. But back then it really did feel like just random browsing like this as you would just click and get sucked down rabbit holes often. And, and that's just not as possible today. But I will say that there is now a spiritual successor to stumble upon. And it's something called Kagi Small Web. And so what Kagi did, which is I've talked about them before. They're the premium search engine, but this is a free service of theirs. So Kagi is a premium search engine where you can pay $10 a month for unlimited searches. And it's kind of like a replacement for Google search, but they have curated a list of independent individuals who have their own websites, who regularly publish content and put it all together in the format, just like stumble upon. So you can go to the Kagi small web website and click the button and it'll bring you to a random website by somebody who's an individual who has created their own thing. And it just kind of has the feeling of joy and discovery that stumble upon used to have. And so if you kind of want to browse the internet in a different way and see what it's all about, I definitely recommend just playing around with it. And you probably won't spend quite as much time as you may have back in the day with stumble upon just because the internet is such a different place. Uh, but it's still something that's really fun to every once in a while, remember it and just kind of dive down this small web rabbit hole, because there's a lot of really good content that people make online that just doesn't have the distribution. It doesn't have the eyeballs. And that's not for any reason, except that the internet is basically owned by a bunch of conglomerates and they have algorithms that show you what they want to show you. And, and that's it. So small web is a great way to kind of get around that and also be entertained. So check it out. The next thing I talk about in the newsletter is this little website uh, called population.io. And I feel like every few years, something similar to this pops up, um, but it allows you to input your birthday and your birth country and then your sex at birth. And then it gives you a bunch of stats about your country, 
population and the world population and where you fit within it. Like how much of the population is older than you? How much is younger than you? When, what is your life expectancy based in the country that you live? How is it averaged out over the world? And a, and a bunch of different stats and really cool visualizations that help you understand your place in the world. So fun little thing, probably won't spend too much time on it, but if you want to see where you fit in, population.io is a great, great visualization. So the last thing I want to touch on in this newsletter is just a little bit of entertainment. And so there was this television show on Adult Swim called Joe Para Talks With You. And it featured this comedian named Joe Para, who acts like he's much older than he is. He's like in his 30s and he acts like he's in his 60s, 70s. He speaks really slowly. And he had this 15-minute comedy show on Adult Swim that was just really wholesome. It was him exploring life and talking about things and going through his day and meeting people. And it was just this really relaxing, calming show. And the way he talks lulls you to sleep. So he also launched a podcast um, called Drifting Off with Joe Para, where he leans into this and tells these lengthy stories that have music underscored as a way to help people drift off to sleep. And they're just really nice and pleasant. And I had seen that uh, after his show was canceled on Adult Swim, uh, it happened during the pandemic. So they were able to film one season during the pandemic, uh, and then it was canceled um, before they were able to finish the show. Um, but he kind of took this creative team and decided to go back uh, to what he was doing before he was creating series, which was doing stand-up comedy. So taking his newfound fame because of this TV show uh, and and touring the country. And then he ended up putting together a, a stand-up comedy special that he released for free on YouTube. And so I was really excited because I really liked Joe Para Talks With You. And so I wanted to check out his comedy special. And I really enjoyed it. It is one of those that just makes you feel good. And his stand-up comedy is a style in and of itself. It's singular. And it's just really fun. I would say that... You should definitely watch the stand-up special if you have seen his series. If you haven't seen his series yet, um, I don't know if you will quite enjoy it as much, although you'll instantly kind of understand his shtick and what he does. Um, but one of the sad things I kind of learned about this from watching the special and then seeing some interviews that he did was that his show was canceled and in a way that makes it feel feel like he has unfinished business. There was more of the story that they had wanted to tell, that they had planned to tell, and Adult Swim canceled them before they were able to release their final season, which is just a bummer. And so I feel like this stand-up comedy special is sort of the ghost of Joe Para, and that he has unfinished business, and him and his creative team wanted to continue putting work out into the world, which is lovely for us. But I'm just really hoping that in the world of streaming services and all this sort of things, that somebody gives him a platform to tell the final season because it it's a quiet show where each episode is sort of standalone, but there is kind of overarching stories and, and character arches that 
I really do want to have some uh, conclusion. And in an interview, I saw him kind of talking about the final scene from the last episode that was created and how if that's how the entire series ends, it's kind of a weird ending. Uh, and I sort of agree with that. So here's to hoping that somebody comes out of wherever people like that come out of and give them the funds slash opportunity to finish telling this story because it's very wholesome. It's very nice. And I recommend Joe Perez comedy to anybody looking for something just kind of nice to watch. And there you have it. Another episode down. If you have enjoyed this and you are not yet subscribed to me, go to danberg.substack.com and subscribe via email. Uh, If you are already subscribed, thank you so much. And thank you for listening to this podcast. And I will see you next month. (laughs) 